0: Well, amen. We come tonight to our continue our study of the Apostles' Creed, and we're getting close to the end, uh, but we're not quite there yet. But I want to ask you tonight, as we come to this, to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We'll look at several passages of Scripture tonight, but we will begin there in Matthew chapter 16 with some of our, our Lord's words, and then we will continue uh, with some other things from the Apostle Paul and perhaps even the Apostle Peter. As as we've looked at the creed, and it's up on the board behind me, up on the screen behind me, we've looked at it point by point and moved through it very carefully. <laughs> uh, like I said, it was up on the screen behind me. There we go. Uh, I don't know what that, that thing is just not like to uh, PowerPoint. Well, it's in PowerPoint, not in The media shout. PowerPoints acting crazy on that computer, but um, you know we've we've moved through the whole thing. We come now to this last part. The way it's set up in this particular arrangement, as I set it up there, uh, has the the Holy Catholic Church as kind of a sub uh, thought with uh, I believe in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, and and that's not that's not uh, 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 incorrect. There's not it's not there as an as an error. The Holy Spirit is the one who, if you will, brings the church together and molds the church and shapes the church. You have the Father who planned it and purposed it, the Lord who redeemed it, and then the Holy Spirit who causes the interaction and causing the workings of the church. So for it to be under the, the I believe in the Holy Spirit, is not at all an unusual or an incorrect way of viewing that. Uh, The church stands alone in in one sense in our understanding, in our uh, expression of belief, but it does not stand alone apart from the work of God through the Holy Spirit within the church. Uh, It was the Holy Spirit that was energizing our worship this morning. It was the Holy Spirit that was was literally taking us to the throne of God as we, we bowed before Him and we sang and as we worshiped Him uh, this morning as we heard his word with, with hearing ears that, that the Lord opened by his Holy Spirit. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit and the church are inseparable. And, and we talked about last week how sadly uh, too many times the Baptist church is a, a bit reluctant to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we ought not be because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead and we ought to think about him and and pray. And, uh, proclaim Him and and honor Him just as much as we do Jesus, just as much as we do God the Father because all three persons of the Godhead are involved in our salvation and involved in our walk with Christ and involved in our daily uh, experience of the Christian life. So it's very important that we look at that. It's very important we understand the work of the Spirit in bringing the church together. Now, the Creed says... The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. Now, one thing I want you to see clearly here, and actually this is not a good, uh, I put some defining words there, but in the creed itself, and I made this error, the word church is capitalized, the word Catholic is not capitalized. Now, I've already given away the bulk of my, thrust here for this first point, we need to understand that Catholic there has nothing to do with what we think of as being the Catholic Church today. It's not the Roman Catholic Church. It's not the Greek Orthodox Catholic Church. The, the, The word there, Catholic, is just a term that literally means general or universal. It's the church as a whole. All the redeemed saints for all of time. Now, a lot of times, people want to kind of deny that there is such a thing. Uh, that uh, uh, there are some groups, and there are some groups here in Kentucky, very, very uh, large groups here in Kentucky, that will say, no, 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 there is no universal church. There's only the local church. There's just the, if you're not in a local church, then you're not a part of the church. There's not uh, there. There is some truth in that. I think if you're a part of the universal church, you'll be part of the the local church. But there is the universal church that's not just made up of badness. Okay, i want to make that perfectly clear here. It's made up of all those who have trusted Christ, who have been redeemed by the by the Son, by the will of the Father for all of time, we had the, we had the joy of living for about eight years in uh, in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I don't have you ever, anybody ever been to Stone Mountain? A few of you have. Okay, Stone Mountain is just a. We lived about a mile and a half from the main gate to go into there, and it, we loved living there. It's beautiful. The thing about Stone Mountain is it's a big rock. As a matter of fact, in the 1800s, it was actually called Rock Mountain, Georgia, and they changed it. It sounded more sophisticated. I guess called it Stone Mountain, so they changed it to Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain Baptist Association used to be the Rock Mountain Baptist Association. So anyway, that's a little trivial history there for you, but, but the thing about Stone Mountain, it is a big rock. It's, it's a huge rock. Uh, we walked up it. well, my family walked up, and I walked part of the way up at one time, and, and we... Uh, it's it's a long way up when you walk up the back side of that mountain, and I complain the whole way. That's how big it is. I prefer the the front side where the carving is, where you can go up in a tram. You know, just ride the tram across the. It's, anyway, but it's a huge rock, and then you could look at that and you could say, boy, that is a big rock. I wonder how that big rock got here. But if you study the the geological condition of DeKalb County and and the Gwinnett County and and Rockdale County and some of the surrounding areas to Stone Mountain, one thing you find out is that the rock, the Stone Mountain, is not an entity unto itself. As a matter of fact, it's called an outcropping. Now that is a really big outcropping, believe me. But we found out as we traveled around, as we we were homeschooling then, and we would go from one, we had all sorts of great field trips, you know, and and those were always fun. And one thing we found was down toward uh, Rockdale County, there were other stone outcroppings. And if you go up into North Georgia, there are other stone outcroppings. Now, as you look at those various outcroppings, if you didn't know from geological studies that they were all the same granite bed, they, they all were just this huge thing of granite under the state of Georgia, and every now and then there'd been outcropping of a, of a mountain like Stone Mountain, none that big, but, but all over the place there are outcroppings from that one vein of granite. But if you just look at Stone Mountain, you're, you're liable to come to the conclusion, well, that's a big rock, and somehow it got there. We don't know how. But if you look at what's under the surface, you realize that it is attached to what is in North Georgia, and it is attached to what is in Gwinnett County and Rockdale County and all the other surrounding areas. The, the, the Stone Mountain is an outcropping as just a, a singular part of, or a visible part of a much larger thing that cannot be seen. Well, that's what the church is. Grace Baptist Church is an outcropping of the universal church. We are not the church by ourselves. It's not us and nobody else. It's not, you know, we're here, and if you're not in our church, then you're not really a part of the church, you know? We don't believe that. We don't preach that, and we never will. But we are a part of the church. We are an expression of the church, and the church is a much bigger thing than any local expression, no matter how big or how small that local expression is. Now, the church, the creed says, is the, is, is the holy Catholic church. It is the communion of the saints. I, I like the way the, uh, the Nicene Creed said it. It's a little different. It was about 250 years later after the Apostles' Creed. But the, the Nicene Creed said, and I believe in one holy Catholic, and apostolic church. They added a couple of things there. This was one holy Catholic. They said a holy Catholic apostolic church. The idea that the church is to be a holy body. Holy there does not mean that everybody's perfect. Holy doesn't mean that, okay, if you're in the church, you cannot have any sin in your life. So if you're here and with sin in your life this evening, get out of here get up and leave don't really but but that's not what it means the holy means that it is set apart it is set apart for a purpose it is set apart for the purposes of God, and, and to be used by God, that's all right, I don't need any more, and for whatever God desires to use it for. We are here to seek God's will and God's purpose, and to know that as best we can. And, and when the Nicene Creed talks about it, it's not only a holy, universal, and complete church, but it is an ap- apostolic church. It, it doesn't mean we have apostles today, but it means that we stand upon the authority of the apostolic teaching. We stand upon what God has said through his apostles. Just like the early church, it says they met in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 and following, it says they met uh, uh, They met regularly uh, to to involve themselves in prayer and the breaking of bread and the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching. When I stand here every Sunday, morning and night, and... Most of the time on Wednesday nights, when I stand in this pulpit, I'm standing here not to give you a message of what Bill Haynes thinks. I'm not here to give you an opinion about what I think would be the best thing to do. My, My job, my purpose is to be here as best as I can, and I fail miserably many times. But as best as I can to say, this is what the apostles' doctrine is. This is what we stand upon. This is what Christ taught and what the apostles taught and how they interpreted the life and ministry of Christ. And we stand here as an apostolic church, not because I'm an apostle, because I'm not, but I stand here under the authority of the apostolic teaching of the New Testament, and as they understood the whole Old Testament. It's not, we're not just New Testament only. We, are, we believe in the entirety of the Bible. But, but we stand here under the apostolic teaching because the Old Testament was the only Bible they had. And, and we believe that we are, we're standing clearly as an apostolic church because we believe, we teach, and we proclaim the Word. That is, the teaching's. Of the Apostles the Apostolic Apostolic uh, Church now if you look with me in in Matthew chapter 16 uh, you probably wondered if I was going to get there or not In, in verse 13 Jesus is with his disciples in the region or the district of Caesarea Philippi and you've you've heard this read and talked about before but it's a very critical passage to understand what the creed is talking about when it says we are the holy, universal, holy catholic, holy, general, complete church, the communion of the saints. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Uh, in other words, who are people saying I am? What are they saying about me? And, and they said to him, Some say you're John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Boom. I mean, wow. Boom. He immediately said, just came out with that bold statement. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjonah, that is Simon, son of Jonah, Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Peter, you didn't figure that out on your own. It wasn't your wisdom, it wasn't your knowledge, it wasn't your ability to figure it out. My Father has revealed that to you. You didn't just come up with it yourself. I also say that you are Peter. You're Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now a lot of confusion has come about in in our day and in church history over that verse eighteen. But I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now some people say, oh, okay, and this is what the the Roman Catholic view is, that Jesus looked at Peter, said, Peter, you figured it out, you got it, so you're Peter, you're the rock, and you'll be the rock upon which I'll build my church. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying Peter is the rock. He's saying that the confession that Peter made is the rock. The, the the confession that Peter made is the anchor. It's the foundation of what the church will be. That uh, Peter, you, you've been revealed it by God. God has showed it to you. I'm going to name you differently. I'm going to name you a rock or a stone and I want you to know that upon this confession that you have made, I will build my church and nothing, not even the gates of Hades, will be able to overpower it. Now, significantly here we need to see that Jesus didn't say, now Peter go out and build a church. He didn't say, Peter you, you figured it out, that's good. Now the responsibility for building my church is up on your shoulders. Go build a church. He didn't say to Paul, go build my church. He didn't say to, uh, to Augustine or to Luther or to Spurgeon or any others go build my church. He didn't say to Bill Haynes go build my church. No, he said As long as you abide by that confession, I will build my church. I will build my church. If I try to determine... How I'm going to build Grace Baptist Church, then I've got a real problem because I'm going to be opposed at every point by Jesus Christ Himself. Because building this church is not my job, it's not my purpose, it's not why I'm here. I'm here to point to the apostolic teaching so that Christ will build His church right here, strong and secure. And in this place, there will be the reflection of godly truth and godly doctrine that we will be a church. We won't be a social club, uh, although there is to be a communion of the saints and a fellowship of the saints. I'll in a minute. But but we're not to be a social club. We're not to be a political rally. We're not to be people that come together to try to take up a cause and run with it other than the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, I want you to do something that Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. Turn over there with me. Uh, quickly, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these. But I want you to see several things as we're thinking about. I believe in the church because see, a lot of people today don't believe in the church. A lot of people today don't believe the church is necessary. A lot of people today think, well, I'll just be a, I'll just be a singular Christian out there and do my own thing, and I'll have a lot of better things to do on Sunday than go sit with a bunch of hypocrites. So I'll just be a Christian by myself. That doesn't work. Uh, We are called as a communion of the saints. We're called to be together. But I want you to see why it's important that we believe in the church. In in chapter 4 of Ephesians, starting verse 1, Paul says, uh, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, beg you, beseech you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We can spend a lot of time on that, but I want you to see what Paul is saying there. Because he's talking to the Ephesus Church, obviously, but he's also talking to Grace Baptist Church. Uh, I I urge you, I, I plead with you, walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Now we can spend a lot of time talking about what that calling is. It's a calling to ministry, it's a calling to missions, it's a call, it's a calling to the church and to the Lord. And we're to carry out this, this this calling by way of activity? We're to carry out this calling by way of obedience? And, and, and it's important that we understand, Paul says, you need to live a life, you need to walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling. Now, I want us to bow our heads a minute and just close our eyes. And I want to ask some young folks to pay attention. Quit talking. That's very important. If you don't want to listen, you don't have to listen. But you're being distracted. People are looking at you rather than listening. And I'm just going to ask you to please talk all you want to in 15 minutes. But it's distracting to me. Father, we're grateful that we can be here. Help us, Lord, to hear your word with diligence. Thank you, Father. Amen. He goes on in in verse 2, and he talks about what this calling will entail. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see the significance of one there? It's not a lot of churches who, some believe in this baptism, and some believe in this Lord, and some believe in this hope and this calling. No, we are all who are in Christ Christ. We have a calling of oneness, of unity. There's no diversity in that. There, there's no way that we as a church can say, well, you know, I really don't want to believe that Jesus is the only way. I just want to, I just want to kind of give a, a more social approach to the gospel. I just want to say, I want to, I want to help people, I want to minister to people. But this thing about people needing Christ, that's, that's not what we want to be about. Then you're not about what a, God, what a, what a holy, catholic, apostolic church is all about. Because it centers on Christ. It centers on His work, and it centers on, on, on what He has done and the Holy Spirit that has called us together. Uh, I want you to look also, if you will, at First Peter, First uh, Peter chapter two. And First Peter chapter two, starting in verse four. Peter just gives a little indication of what the church is to be about. He says in verse 4, he says, In coming to him, and, and there's an emphatic there, and you coming to him, and the, the coming is a continuous action. It's not you come to him once and that's all it is. There's a continuous coming to Christ. And coming to him, you coming to him, as to li- a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God But for those who disbelieve, and he quotes Psalm 118, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And Isaiah 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a holy race. Here he is talking about the church now. You are, a, you are a chosen race, excuse me. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. Then he goes on to give them an exhortation about godly living. But, but, but what I want you to hear is the communion of the saints. The, the oneness, the unity, the coming together. He says, you at one time were not a people. You had no God except the God of your appetites. You had no righteous desires, only desires, for yourself, but as God has done a work in your life through the atonement of Christ by the application of the Holy Spirit, you are a chosen race. Chosen race. It's set apart. Not, not, that, that's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, Anglo Saxon or, or, or African American or Hispanic or any racial thing like we would think about there because in Christ all the dividing walls have been broken down and you are a chosen race you are chosen to be together as one holy race black white red those distinctions are not only unnecessary they're unhelpful if if we don't understand that in Christ there is a there is a destruction of those barriers to where we can stand together with brothers who are other colors and sisters who are other colors and worship the Lord, then we have a bad misunderstanding of the gospel. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood, the priesthood of all believers, that we are priests who who have been set apart to do service in the holy temple of God, the holy presence of God. We're a holy nation. We're a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There's what the church is. It's a a people. And in this room tonight, we are different in in a myriad of ways. We could sit around and, and make lists all night long of how we're different. Uh, it, taking any number of criteria but but peters want us to see that if we are in Christ we are one Div- we're, we're diversified in non-essential things but we are one in the things that really matter we're one in our commitment to Christ as the only savior We are one in our commitment to to the Scriptures, the Holy Bible, as God's Word. We are one in believing that the church is important and is bound together not not by because we like each other. Some of you may not like me, but we're bound together by the Holy Spirit. We're brothers and sisters not because we chose to be, We're brothers and sisters because Christ ordained that we be and placed us together in his body by his grace and ultimately and completely for his glory. So when we say, I believe in the holy Catholic church, we're saying, I believe that the church is where Christ operates. We believe that the church is what has been set apart. And we believe it's Catholic in the sense of universal and, and, and general and complete. It's an outcropping. We're an outcropping of the, the greater church. Probably a better picture than the stone would be in the heavenly places, but I, didn't, I don't know anything that drops out of heaven and we look at it's connected. So I had to choose what we can humanly understand but we serve as a part of that universal church to take the gospel to the nations. We believe we're a holy catholic church and there is a communion, a fellowship of the saints because we weren't once we're not a people and now we're the people of God, we hadn't had mercy and now we've received mercy. And we gather together to share that mercy with one another, to share that truth with one another to worship Him who has called us. I believe in the holy, Catholic, and with the uh, Nicene Creed Apostolic Church and the communion of the saints. And that's why we meet in this place. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful tonight that we can gather here and we can worship and study, think about and know your truth. Lord, ground us in it. Hide us in it. And strengthen us by it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.